sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. We're continuing our series on prayer this morning by learning how to pray like David. So we are in Psalm chapter 22, starting at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why were you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. <coughs> to you they cried and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. And there's no one to help. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You all ever heard of the yips? The yips is something that uh, they talk about in sports. But it's mostly in baseball. And it happens a lot to pitchers. Not a lot, but it happens to pitchers sometimes. And the yips are when a pitcher like forgets how to throw the ball. And um, I think what happens, I mean, there's, there's not like a really good explanation for it, but what happens is that, you know, a lot of times you learn how to throw and you do this motion over and over and you don't even really think about it anymore. But sometimes pitchers get in their own heads and they start thinking about the motions that they're doing and they overthink it to the point that they forget how to, to do it again. They said, uh, the internet said, it was, it was a colloquial term for sudden and unexplained loss of skills in experienced athletes. Some credit the yips to a loss of fine motor skills. Other consider the condition to be primary, primarily physiological. However, it is poorly understood and has no treatment or therapy. Y'all might remember Mark Wallers from the Braves uh, in the 90s. I mean, he had this great career as a pitcher for the better part of a decade, and then all of a sudden, he got an injury and just, just experienced this loss of confidence that completely shook him in 1997. In 98, he seemed to lose all ability to control his pitches. His control problems were dramatic. In 20 and one-third major league innings, Wallers walked 33 batters. And then... He got sent down to AAA, and Wallers walked 36 batters in only 12 and a half innings. Not only was he not throwing strikes anymore, he got to the point where it was lucky if he got the ball over the plate at all. <coughs> and they call it Steve Blatt's disease, or the yips. It's a psychological block that manifests itself when you overthink it. And the Associated Press called Wallers, the 1990s poster child for Steve Blass syndrome. 
You ever felt like you get the yips in prayer sometimes? Like something you've done a thousand times to connect with God just all of a sudden no longer works? When that prayer closet that you've used for years no longer feels like a place where God shows up anymore. Or that worship song that used to always just light your heart on fire every time it came on the radio suddenly just rings hollow. Or that time in the morning or the night where you would go to meet with God in prayer and it seems like it was so powerful once upon a time, now it's so easy to just sleep through. And you're not sure what changed, but you connected with God a thousand times and that thousand and first time, it's like it's gone. And you're not entirely sure why. And it can feel like God is silent. Or it feels like God is distant. And you begin to wonder, are my prayers even making it to God? Or are they just bouncing off the ceiling? And you don't feel anything at all. Sometimes... At least in my life, I feel like I've gotten the yips in prayer. Like one day I'm praying and connecting with God, and the next day my whole spiritual life just dries up. I think there are a lot of people in Scripture that probably felt like they had the yips. Think about Abraham. Abraham was promised this son from God. He, in radical obedience, moved away from everybody and everything he'd ever known and followed God. And God said, all right, I'm going to give you a son. And then that son didn't come for decades. <clears throat> there must have been times when Abraham longed to hear of an update. Okay, God, when's that the ETA on that son you promised me? But God was silent. He went for years and years without seeing that promise fulfilled. And it probably felt a little bit like the yips. The thing about Moses Moses wandered for 40 years in the desert. And Moses was hearing from God during that time, but like in between the chapters where we see God working, there were decades where they were just wandering in the desert without a clear destination. I'm sure he would have loved to hear an update from God about when their wandering would come to an end, but it just kept going for 40 years. So, you know, it's easy to say 40 years wandering in a desert, but, like, I just turned 39 years old. If we would be wandering into the desert that started when I was born, we'd still be wandering for my whole life. Think about that. Jesus wandered in the desert for 40 days. He felt distant from God on the cross. In fact... Jesus prayed the very prayer we read from Psalm 22. Oh God, oh God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? He asked God to take the cup from him, but God didn't do that. Then we think about David. David wrote our scripture today, and he wrote these words in a time where he felt distant from God. He felt like God had forsaken him. He needed a rescue from God and didn't find God near. David, a man after God's own heart, had times in his life when he felt like his prayers were empty 
and God was far away. Having the yips in your prayer life is not uncommon. In fact, there's actually a name for it that's a lot better sounding than the yips. The name for it is the dark night of the soul. Here's what Richard Foster had to say about the dark night of the soul in, in, um, in his book on prayer. He says, Christians down through the centuries have witnessed the same experience. St. John of the Cross named it the dark night of the soul. An anonymous English writer identified it as the cloud of unknowing. Jean-Pierre de Cassade called it the dark night of faith. George Fox said simply, when it was day, I wished for night. When it was night, I wished for day. Be encouraged. You and I are in good company. It actually gives me a tremendous amount of comfort knowing that many prominent giants of the Christian faith have reported this feeling of distance from God. From time to time, they feel like God is distant in their faith. And they ask themselves, why is God doing this to me? Why are we doing, I'm doing everything right. I'm showing up for prayer. I'm, I'm devoting myself to you. Why can't you be closer to me? Why have you forsaken me? We know that God is like a father, a good father, who wants to give good things to his children. So why would God make me feel this way? There's not a lot of good answers as to why. But there are things that God wants to teach us in the dark night of the soul, if we're willing to let him. In the dark night of the soul, God is trying to teach us to reduce our dependence on exterior factors that aren't God. Just think about how much they're so superfluous to our faith, both interior and exterior. Maybe God is taking away the excitement from that worship song because he wants you to focus on him and not the feeling that you get on that particular drum solo. Because the drum solo is superfluous. It's, it's not needed. And we realize that the exterior things that we're doing are not enough to get God's attention. Right? Our knowledge, our buildings, our dedication. Those aren't enough to make God come to us. We are not impressing God with our fancy exterior things. And so God shows us that by putting us through this dark night of the soul. We don't need to depend on maintaining a spiritual high in order to be connected to God. God himself needs to be enough for us. There comes a time in our Christian faith when God's trying to teach you, you need more than the good feelings I can give you. You need me. It isn't about feeling good about being connected to God. It's about being connected to God. Foster again says, We are led to a profound and holy distrust of all superficial drives and human strivings. We know more deeply than ever before our capacity, though we know more deeply than ever before our capacity for infinite self-deception. 
Slowly, we're being taken off of vain securities and false allegiances. Our true, our true in all exterior and interior results is being shattered so that we can learn from faith in God alone. Through our barrenness of soul, God is producing humility, detachment, patience, and perseverance. And if we can persevere through the dark night of the soul, we begin to realize that we don't depend on any of the stuff around us as much as we depend on God himself. We don't depend on that one particular prayer closet as much as we depend on God. We don't pretend. We don't depend on that one song as much as we depend on God himself. We are being stripped of all the exterior things, all the unnecessary things, so that we push and persevere and rely on God. It teaches us that we cannot control or conjure God. God's not like a genie in a lamp that we can rub and he's at our attention. We don't get to decide when God connects with us and when he doesn't, when God is close or when he's far away. We don't get to control God. We know that God is a good father, but guess what? Even the best fathers have to go to work sometimes. Sometimes, especially when my kids were younger and I have to go to a meeting or go to the office and my kids would say, no, daddy, please don't go. Please, please, please don't leave me. And you get those big eyes. Oh, and you, it breaks your heart to have to go. But guess what? Daddy can't play right now. Daddy's got to go to work. Just because God is a good father doesn't mean he will always be close to us in the way that we want him to be. We cannot control God. And so we need to practice, and God puts this in us, we need to practice the posture of patient waiting children, waiting for our Father to come back instead of demanding patrons waiting for their server to come and fill their glass. God is simply too big, too powerful, too wonderful for us to control. And that's some of the things that God teaches us during the dark night of the soul. So what do we do during the dark night of the soul? What do we do when God is teaching us these painful and hard spiritual lessons? What do we do when God seems like he's far away? Well, there are a number of things we can do. The first thing that we do is we keep praying. Right? We don't let the we don't let the distance that we feel from God stop us from persevering in prayer. Notice, what does God, what does the author, what does David do when he feels like God is far away? He writes a prayer. He writes a prayer to God that gets recorded for the ages instead of just turning away from God. There is a wonderful device that has really helped me during my dark nights of the soul. And it's called the daily office. It's something that the Anglican church does. And I, I put it in your take-home sheet this week. There is a, a website actually called dailyoffice.app that, that does it. And what it is, is there um, prescribed prayers every day. And there's a big book that you can get, uh, the Book of Common Prayer, if you'd rather go old school and get a book. But you can pray the daily office every day. 
And what it does is gives you some prayers. Sometimes they're the same every day. You're always praying the Lord's Prayer during the daily office. Sometimes they are different. It, it puts in different psalms in there. But sometimes on days when I feel like I'm distant from God and I, excuse me, I don't know what to say, I just pray someone else's prayers. Just pray the daily office. It's okay to pray some pre-written prayers. There's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes if God is distant and I just don't have anything that I feel like I want to say to him, I'll open up that book of the daily office and pray what those people throughout history have been praying. <clears throat> Be consistent with prayer. Pray at the same time you normally do, even if it's not lighting your world on fire. Even if you'd rather sleep in than get to your quiet time that morning. It's okay. It's all right if it's not lighting your world on fire. It's okay if you're not super duper inspired after prayer. Keep it up. God will come back. One thing that you can do is actually pray like David by praying the Psalms themselves. The Psalms are the church's prayer book. And if we feel like God's abandoned us, then we can turn to Psalm 22 and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can read the Psalms in prayer. Make these words your prayer to God. Actually pray the words of David by praying the Psalms. The thing about it is God will reward your faithfulness during this dark night of the soul. He knows it's hard. Keep it up. The next thing we can do is, is we can pray prayers of lament. We have such a, uh, I don't know, a positivity problem in Christian culture today where we feel like we have to come up to God with our best foot forward and, and never bum God out with our prayers. But it's fine. You can pray a prayer of lament. David didn't pull any punches here. He told God exactly how he felt. God, I feel like you've forsaken me. Why are you so far from me? I cry by day, but you do not answer. I cry by night and find no rest. You don't have to be positive when you pray to God. You can lament to him. You can tell him how you really feel. Because God would rather hear what's actually going on with you than hear nothing at all from you. One of the best prayers I ever prayed. I was in seminary and I was at church. And um, I felt like everybody around me in church was just worshiping, connecting with God. And I felt nothing. I hadn't felt anything before months and it was a dark night of the soul my spirituality so was so dry I felt like I couldn't take it anymore and I sat there in that sanctuary and I just prayed God I don't think I care about you anymore but I want to I want to care and that was the prayer that that started me back in the right direction that was the prayer where, where God said, okay, you finally got real. You finally told me what was up. And now we're going to move into that right direction together. And it was the first step that got me back to connecting with God. I just had to, I had to tell God where I actually was rather than try to pretend like I was somewhere that I wasn't. Sometimes connecting with God in honesty can be the breakthrough that you need. And the third thing that we can do so we keep praying. We pray or lament if we have to. The third thing that we can do is build trust by waiting on God 
trusting that God is developing something inside of you during this dark night of the soul. And while it might hurt, while it might be bad right now, ultimately the results will be good. The psalmist, to build trust in God, he rehearsed the things that he knew God had done for him in the past so that he could remember those things and start to expect them in the future. That's what he's doing in verse, in verse 4. In, in you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered for them. To you they cried and they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. So if you've done it for them all those times, I can begin to build a trust that you're going to do it for me too. Rehearse the things that God has done. When I prayed to you about my grandmother's help, you delivered her and, and healed her. When, I, when my daughter was sick, you were there for me during that whole time. He rehearsed the good things that God had done for his people so that he could grow his own trust that God would do it for him too. And the next, the next thing we can do to build trust is just know that this isn't going to last forever. God isn't going to be away from you forever. The dark night of the soul is just that, a night. Daylight is coming. Now it might be a long night. Sometimes the dark night of the soul lasts for months or even years at a time. But it doesn't last forever. God doesn't stay hidden forever. God will reveal himself in his time. And we can trust that. God is a good father. He does love his children. He desires closeness and intimacy with you. And just because you're not feeling it right now doesn't mean it's not true. He is giving us an opportunity to stay committed, to build trust with him, and to keep praying until he shows you where he's been with you all along. The dark night of the soul is rough. It's dark. But the morning is coming. Stay the course, stay faithful, and stay hopeful, and trust that the God who loves you will come through. The dry spells won't last forever. He will come and he will inhabit your spirituality again. He will draw near to you. Just be patient and wait. So today, I don't know where you are. Maybe you're on a mountaintop right now. Maybe God is nearby and you're having good times. That's okay. That's great. I, I applaud that. I'm so happy for you. But it's probably not going to last forever. you got to come down from the mountain sometime. Maybe you're in that valley, that dark night of the soul. Maybe you've been in that dry place for so long you don't remember what it was like on the mountain. And to you I say, stay the course. I want to invite you during our last song to come to the altar and pray. Double down on your commitment. Maybe there's something, some piece of honesty that you just have not been willing to say to God. Maybe there's something you need to say, God, here is where I am. I'm tired of hiding it. Come to the altar and pray. Maybe that'll be the thing that gets you started.
Maybe you're just desperate to be close to him. Come be close to him at the altar today. Let's pray. God, the dark night of the soul is a period of growth, but it is a rough one. God, I have been through those periods where it has been so dry, where you have felt so distant that I have felt like giving up. So God, I pray that you will draw near to us today. Teach us what you're trying to teach us during this time and make it short so that we can grow and enjoy that close intimacy with you again. Show us more of who you are, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.